Chapter 14 The following day, the clans met on Rogalanon's wintry gathering place. Speckerin, Duan, and Carlock stood by the fire, anticipation filling the air. I first call on Lugor, said Speckerin, breath misting in the air, to tell us about the ravens. They'd be missed, said Lugor, but up to three could be provided. Speckerin looked over the assemblage. We've had a chance to think this over and sleep on it. We'll go straight to a vote on whether to participate or not. Carlock raised his arms and spoke. As you cast your votes, remember, an innocent lad's fate hangs in the balance, doomed to obey a monster, imprisonment and torture forever, or freedom. He has a way with words, thought Speckerin. As a censor, is it possible he can influence our thoughts? Is this what Awana Bond meant? Is she more perceptive than I? Is it something beyond our ken? We haven't much choice. We must proceed and make a decision. Cover your eyes, he said. Let the balloting begin in the traditional fashion. Those voting yes, raise a right foot. He and Duan counted the votes. Those voting no, raise your right foot. They counted again. Open your eyes. The tally wasn't close. For better or for worse, the majority voted that we proceed. Murmurs of approval came from all around. Speckerin glanced at Carlock. Eyes unblinking, he was staring straight ahead. I wonder, thought the magician. Now we decide who goes, said Speckerin. Whoever does might be gone a long while, perhaps longer than last time. Because of the number of island, we must restrict the number of us who go. Rugum Champter stood up. Those in the party should have traveling experience, with perhaps one additional member. Speckerin, Deliani, Gielin, Tali, Hutt, and I went on the first quest. He paused. Our wise magician Speckerin hasn't said he'll be going on this one. Told me he's too old. I say this. Without him... There will be no mission. Cheers of agreement came from the crowd. I've longed for a better understanding between Kirins and humans, said the Yorl magician. Will this mission lead to that? I don't know. Nonetheless, I'm coming out of retirement. The crowd roared. Ruggum raised his hands. I too would like to go. He touched the yellow band covering the eye he lost during the first mission. Don't let this affect your thinking about me. If you wish to take part, said Speckerin, you will not be denied. But you've proven yourself and paid a high price in doing so. Why not let someone younger go? Nonsense, said Ruggum, pointing to the uncovered eye. Poppycock, on our flight home after we crossed the ocean, who was the first to spy land? This eye's sharp, serving us then. It will again. That creature did put the wrong one out, chuckled Speckerin. My concern, said the overseer, is that we have a strategy for this mission. Hutt came forward. Though small, he was now fourteen and no longer considered himself young. To no one's surprise, he volunteered. I'm a seasoned traveler. That you are, lad, said Speckerin. He noticed Tally in the audience. Tally was a vital member of our previous mission, but her mother's gravely ill, and this time she must stay home. Tally nodded. 
Gilan and Diliani, said Speckerin. We must hear from you. Gilan, now eighteen years old, had dark hair and glimmering black eyes. Sturdy in build, he was the handsomest lad in either clan. When departing on the first quest, he was invisible. Upon returning, he was normal, and his mother had doted on him ever since. My calamar, he said, would be vital in communicating with the humans. I will go. Carlock spoke. That's precisely the kind of capability we seek. Deliani, a thirty-year-old veteran of the first expedition, was tall, dark-haired, and striking. The countryside is frozen, she said. We'd have to carry food. Water would be plentiful from ice and snow. I, too, volunteer. Speckerin turned to Carlock. On your way here, did you carry food? Isaurs thrive in the cold, he said. Require little, and find sustenance where others find nothing. Ruggum spoke again. Young Tarek has told me he'd like to participate. Approaching the fire, Tarek was a nineteen-year-old Yorl with deep green eyes, dark eyebrows, and a slim, chiseled face. I've longed for the adventure you had. I've never seen a human. Adventure it was, said Speckerin, and humans we did encounter, but also many perils, as I'm certain we will again. I'd like to go, said Tarek. Speckerin turned to the gathering. Does everyone approve those who have volunteered? Cheers filled the icy air. Then we vote on a party of six, said Speckerin. Three of us have ravens. Three would require them. The vote to endorse the party was unanimous. Wonderful, said Tarek. I doubt that word will apply to this enterprise, said Speckerin. Try formidable and demanding. Now that you have decided, said Carlock, we mustn't tarry. Lives the world over are at stake. If he wants us involved in that, Speckerin chuckled to himself, I'll not live long enough to do it. Those without ravens, said Lugor, and others, if you wish, meet me tomorrow morning on our gathering place. Apart from the others, standing hand in hand were Gilan and Tali. Taking out the worn golden disc she had given him back when all the trouble began, he pressed it against his heart. It's my birth piece, she said. When you gave me this, said Gilan, you said to remember you. I always have. I always will. Not sharing your adventures, I'll worry more than when we were together. Before the first quest, Speckerin said it might be harder to stay home than go. It'll be that way for me. She looked into his eyes. Just come home, as we did last time. I can't imagine carrying on the rest of my adventures alone. With the meeting breaking up, Tarek approached Speckerin. I'm thrilled, said the young Kieran, then repeated something he had said earlier. I've never seen a human. I hope this will give me a chance. I study English every day in case I should meet one. As Tarek strode away, Speckerin had an uneasy feeling. Is he too aggressive? Naive? I can't put a finger on it. But will it have any bearing on the mission? Retiring to his apartment, Speckerin was still thinking about young Tarek. Somehow... I haven't gotten to know him as well as the other youngsters of my clan, but I certainly will now. 
Going to his workbench, he picked up the mirrored instrument for communication with Pascal. He took it to the fireplace and sat down in his favorite chair. He had only to say her name, and she'd appear. Since coming home, he thought, I haven't initiated contact, but now is the time. Pascal Paradis, he said, hands trembling. The mirror flashed a pulsating light, then the surface changed to an image of her exquisite face. This transmission has been long in coming, said the guardian magician. I'm glad you summoned me, but tell me why. You informed me, he said, about interruptions in the spell of Noan. I've learnt of a related incident. He told her about Carlock, his journey from the north and Till. We've decided to try to help. Yes, do. I'm immersed here in the affairs of magic. And several other instances have occurred. Seven, to be exact. I am saddened to hear this, and it's all due to famine. But matters between Kirans and humans are beyond my knowledge. You are the experts. Go, be my ambassadors. You were the first to receive a calcret, the instrument you hold. Others have since been allocated, and our communications network widens. Take it with you, and call on me whenever you must. She paused. You will be traveling northward. A wizard of great power dwells, or dwelled, in the cold country north of you. She is called the Seer of Sarone. She might prove of great help to you, if she lives. But for now, farewell. The image faded, and the glassy surface returned. Calcret, he thought. I'd almost forgotten the name. The Seer of Sarone. I wonder if I'll remember that. Sitting for a long while and fingering the device, he shook his head. Why do I, an ordinary magician from Rogalanon, engage in lofty affairs such as these? Putting the calcret down, he went to his bed and felt it with his hands. You're soft and inviting, you are. What will I sleep on after leaving? I know it will be cold, and that's about all. I came back from one perilous mission. We all did. Will we come back from another? Reclining on his bed, he closed his weary eyes and was soon fast asleep. The following day was warmer, and the afternoon sky overcast as the meeting on Rogustin began. Its purpose? Transfer Moger ravens to Yorl travelers. Everyone chosen for the expedition was present, as were Moger officials and clan members. Jilin, a Moger, was an expert master of Loana, a strong and reliable bird which had gone on the first quest. Rugam had the experienced Alsanam, and Diliani's raven, Multutor, had matured enough to participate in the second mission. Hut adored flying. He had his own raven now and flew her every day, but she was too young for a quest of this magnitude. Speckerin and Tarek had no ravens. Not wanting to be unfaithful to the less experienced Multutor, deep down inside, Diliani wished Manet, the Mogur's raven borrowed for the first voyage, was going with her again. Lugor presiding, a curlace ceremony proceeded. Speckerin and Hutt were delighted when they were reunited with the same birds as before, Speckerin with Osalam, Hutt with Lisam. In their own way, the birds were glad also. Tarek was assigned a new raven, Anglothor. 
meaning sovereign voyager. Passing custodianship to this new master, the bird's owner, a young woman, was nearly overcome with grief. Carlock had persuaded Lugor and Speckerin that, on a long cross-country flight, the birds would be more energetic if fortified by Dragar. After the ceremony, Carlock used the device he had revitalized in Speckerin's fire to imbue each bird with the magic that provided warmth. Tarek must learn to fly, Speckerin told Lugor, recalling his own anxious training before the first mission. He chuckled. I haven't flown since coming home. I might refresh my skills also. I hope he learns half as well as you did, said Lugor. Four days later, the morning was sunny and cold as the clans gathered on Ragustin, the traveling party, Kieran's and Raven's alike, prepared for departure. Lamin waited on the ground for a signal from Carlock. Overnight, a light snow had fallen, blanketing the platform with white flakes shimmering and capering in an early morning breeze. The travelers were outfitted in hoods, scarves, heavy coats, and thick coverings for hands and feet. Bags strapped to the island, one on each side, resembled those the voyagers had employed crossing the ocean. Packed with winter provisions, acorns, seeds, and dried mushrooms and berries, the containers had been fabricated quickly since it was not essential that they be waterproof. Standing beside his raven, Speckerin addressed the crowd, breath steaming in the chilly air. Thanks to those making the bags and donating food. Departing here once before, we never dreamed we would again. Succeeding the first time, we hope to once again. All at once, a strident voice came from the throng. Why must Kirins be reunited with humans? Why risk your lives and those of our precious island on such a perilous mission? The speaker stepped forward. It was again Oana Bon, the Mogur woman in black. I've waited too long to voice this. It's already too late, yet voice it I will. I'm appalled, said Speckerin, that you haven't expressed these views earlier. Ample occasion... I wanted to at our last meeting, she said, glaring and moving closer to the fire. I didn't have the courage. Since your great adventure, you became an idol, unapproachable. But what makes you think you can change the world, transform what's gone on for eons? You take youths from our clans at six virtuous island. For what? To go off on a jaglo? That upsets some of us who will miss our ravens and rue the day our children departed. Rue the day, thought Speckerin. An idol unapproachable? A jaglo? He hadn't heard that word for years, and hearing it now rankled him. It's an old Reuven term, he recalled, suggesting a senselessly dangerous hunt or mission, and is sullied with skepticism and resentment. I do not appreciate your mention of Jaglo, he said, lowering his voice and looking her squarely in the eye. The crowd was all at once hushed. What would you have us do, my good woman? The votes were cast. The majority has spoken. Her stare left the magician and fell upon Carlock, who appeared stoic as usual. I think, she said, the voting was tainted. Speckerin was hardly surprised. He harbored his own suspicions about Carlock, but it was far too late to change anything. He ignored her remark and went on. 
Children, you might consider them such, but you didn't go on the mission and don't know them. Jilin, Tali, and Hut faced profound predicaments and performed bravely, heroically. Without our children, we could never have succeeded. Elamer's demons would still roam the forest. Tali can't join us, but Jilin and Hut can. They're young, bright, and might mean the difference between success and failure. He frowned. I'm disturbed that you're so late in announcing concerns. We're prepared to go. My goal is to reunite Kirins and humans. This journey might make a start. She stepped toward him. Your goal? But you ensnare others and seriously endanger them. Because our children come back once doesn't ensure it will happen again. Two additional elders, a Mogur and a Yorl, joined her to face the magician. I regret not coming forward sooner. Enthusiasm has been rampant for the quest, but we stand against it now. Bewildered, Speckerin began wondering whether the quest should be postponed, even scrapped. He stared at Carlock, earlier composed and ready for departure. The Izor stood unmoving, eyes closed, trembling slightly. We wanted our feelings known, said Oanabon, those beside her nodding. We need assurances this party won't wander the world, losing sight of home. Wander the world, thought Speckerin. An absurd notion. How little she knows about our first voyage and me. How tragic to be so misunderstood, perhaps by all of them. Have I been unapproachable? He shook his head. Perhaps so. But no, we will not call off this mission. We've been summoned, endorsed, and we go. I can't promise we'll come home, he said in measured tones. But this I will promise. We'll try to do so, with every bone in our bodies, every fiber of our being, and our thoughts will forever be on home. That's all we can ask, said Oanabon. We hope your journey will be safe and filled with success. Doubt and victory in the same breath, he thought. Breathing deeply in the winter air, he wondered whether any other dissension was impending. Don't ask, he told himself. Do on, my old friend. It's your problem now. I'm leaving. Mount your island, he said. All the travelers but Carlock did. Rogalanon and Rogustin are home. Wherever we travel, they're our final destination. He raised an arm. The six ravens flapped their sable wings and lifted into the air, ascending through dark leafless branches, then circling high above. They awaited Carlock and Lamin. The eyesore climbed down the tree to the bottom, there mounting his immense island. They lifted off, then labored through the branches and joined those circling above. Motioning to the others, Carlock took the lead and headed north. A pang in his stomach, Speckerin looked down on Rogustin's gathering place. That was no way to part, he thought ruefully. Things have got to get better from here. Passing a last time over Rogalanon, his own tree, he caught a glimpse of his apartment's door. As they moved higher and farther away, the tree receded 
blending in with others, the travelers leaving peace and home behind. <laughs>